WNYC Studios is supported by Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latte from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. It's Friday, October 13th. Here's the midday news from Michael Hill. Police say there are no credible threats to New York City as planned protests over the war between Israel and Hamas have officials on high alert this afternoon. A pro-Palestinian demonstration takes place in Times Square this afternoon and counter-protesters are expected. The NYPD says New York City Council member Inna Vernikov is facing a criminal possession of a weapon charge after she brought a gun to a protest at Brooklyn College yesterday. The Republican lawmaker represents parts of southern Brooklyn and is the council's minority whip. Social media images show Vernikov with a gun strapped to her belt at a protest supporting Palestinians, a protest she also criticized on social media. Vernikov has not responded to our request for comment. Food pantries in New York City say there's a spike in the number of residents who need a hot meal or free groceries. Zach Hall is with the Food Bank of New York City. He says they're seeing an 8% increase in average monthly visitors since February. Putting food on the table is a constant negotiation, right? And thinking through, um, do I pay the light bill or, you know, get enough food for, for dinner for my kids? Or if I make different choices about which types of foods I'm purchasing. Food providers say rising food prices coupled with end-of-pandemic-era benefits are causing a surge in demand. 60 and sunny now. On this Friday the 13th, sunny and 64. Tomorrow afternoon, rain likely cloudy and 56. Could be heavy stuff along the Jersey Shore with flooding. Music helps us celebrate, contemplate, cope, and connect. And we've got the stories to prove it. Join me, Terrence McKnight, for the new season of The Open Ears Project, a podcast in which people tell us about the piece of classical music that has meant the most to them. That music might even wind up being meaningful for you. The Open Ears Project. Listen now wherever you get podcasts. Street safety advocates say there have been a concerning amount of deadly car accidents and pedestrian deaths on Long Island in recent months. Local papers report there have been more than three dozen traffic-related deaths across Nassau and Suffolk counties in just the last three months. Data from the National Highway Safety Administration analyzed by Newsday found the two counties are among the deadliest counties for traffic fatalities in all of New York State. 
The analysis also found about a fifth of all traffic fatalities in New York State in 2020 happened on Long Island. Elissa Kyle is placemaking director at Vision Long Island, which works to improve pedestrian safety and promotes other community growth efforts. She joins us now to talk about why the roads are so dangerous and what can be done to improve street safety on the island. Elissa, why are Long Island roads and streets so deadly? Well, I think part of it is, is most of our road infrastructure was built 50 to 70 years ago. And at that time, the population of Long Island was considerably less than it was now. And there was considerably less traffic and fewer people walking. And we haven't really kept up with our infrastructure to keep up with our changing and growing population. Uh, There's a lot more people walking and biking these days than there were 50 years ago. And our streets are just not designed to accommodate that. While researching this story, our producer tried to find exact official numbers on traffic deaths, but... Long Island officials said it would not be possible to give out that number on such short notice. And understand your organization doesn't have a count either. Why is that number so hard to get to? Well, we have two primary police forces plus a number of local uh, village police forces. So, you know, there's a lot of separate databases that you'd have to bring together. Every week there's, you know, multiple headlines of people being hit and killed or severely injured um, just trying to get across the streets or just trying to get to where they're going. So the number seems to be continually increasing. Alyssa, where are the pedestrian accident hotspots on the island? A lot of it's in lower income communities because in those areas, they don't have the most up-to-date infrastructure. And also there's a lot larger portions of the community that are walking and biking, not by choice for exercise, but just out of necessity to get to their daily destinations. So, you know, you've got high traffic areas because a lot of those communities are kind of in the center of the island. So there's lots of conflicts Long Islanders are still very dependent on cars to get around, as you said. What kind of access to public transportation do people have there? We do have bus systems and we have the Long Island Railroad. Um, The Long Island Railroad is primarily geared to get people to and from the city. We do have bus systems that they are trying to improve to make them more efficient and effective. But given that our population is more spread out, particularly as you go further east, it's just hard to have an efficient system when people are living such distances from where they're going to. Now, tell us, what is your organization, Vision Long Island? What is it doing to try to improve street safety? We are a smart growth uh, advocacy organization. Uh, We focus on planning and housing and transportation issues primarily. We work with communities to do walking audits and just kind of see what it's like to be a person, you know, walking around in a community that many people only drive through and they never really have that perspective of walking. So we kind of take observations of what the hazards are and where things could be improved and then put together recommendations for improvements. What changes would Vision Long Island recommend the people in charge implement to protect pedestrians and drivers? So there's certain things like uh, curb extensions where the sidewalk is extended into the shoulder to shorten the distance that it takes to cross the street. It also makes it so that drivers have to slow down more as they make turns, so they can't make fast, dangerous turns. And also things like on multi-lane roads, pedestrian refuge islands, which are a median essentially where it gives you a place to stop um, as you're crossing a multi-lane street. So you don't have to deal with cars coming from all directions at once. And it's much safer because it's just fewer conflict points and it makes it easier to understand what's happening around you. Alyssa Kyle, placemaking director at Vision Long Island. Alyssa, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm Sean Carlson for WNYC. 
Federal prosecutors are now charging New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez with illegally acting as an agent of the Egyptian government. The latest accusation against the Hudson County Democrat was in a superseding indictment filed in Manhattan Federal Court. The new charge comes weeks after Menendez and his wife Nadine Arslanian were accused of accepting bribes from local businessmen in exchange for helping Egypt and trying to interfere with criminal investigations. We're joined now by Sean Sullivan. He's an investigative reporter covering criminal justice and government at the Star-Ledger and NJ Advance Media. Hey, Sean, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Walk us through this latest charge here. Uh, What are Senator Menendez and his wife accused of? Basically, as you said, they're charged formally now with uh, acting as uh, foreign agents, or at least conspiring so that the senator could act as a foreign agent. Uh, Former indictment had focused uh, largely on, I guess, localized garden variety, New Jersey corruption. You know, this this is the, the interfering with criminal investigations. Um, but this stuff uh, hones in on accusations that the senator was actually using his perch at the Senate Foreign Relations Committee uh, to influence uh, government uh, doings, whether it was in the Senate or uh, in the federal bureaucracy, uh, on, on behalf of a, a friend of his who was act, acting as a, sort of a liaison between him and the, and the Egyptian government. Yeah, so let's talk about him being on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, he was the, the chair of, of the committee. Do prosecutors say they have any evidence that he did leverage that position um, to do the bidding of the Egyptian government? Yes, I mean the, the the indictment includes allegations that he hosted certain meetings uh, well, that included his wife and the, uh, and his associate. That these meetings were hosted uh, in his Senate office, sometimes uh, without the knowledge of his Senate staff. And so, you know, the indictment does include a, a number of allegations here that the, that this uh, activity was going on while he was doing the business as a senator. Now, we talked about what you what you refer to as, as garden variety um, New Jersey corruption. How do the new allegations relate? back to the previous charges that the Justice Department brought against Menendez last month? Really, what this indictment, the superseding indictment does is it kind of goes back and fills in a little bit of the gray areas uh, with, with with some new detail. But largely what it, what it says here is that in totality, um, the stuff that we previously alleged uh, amounts to the senator use, acting as a foreign agent, which, uh, you know, under federal law, uh, if you're acting a, uh, as a foreign agent, you know, essentially lobbying or trying to influence public opinion, uh, you know, on behalf of a foreign government, you need to register with the foreign government. And now, you know, senator as a senator, he uh, wouldn't even be allowed to do that. Uh, and so the allegations there are, are sort of doubly troubling from the government's perspective because both uh, he didn't register and he, uh, it's just not something a senator is supposed to do. Has Menendez responded to the latest allegation? What has he said? Uh, he he has not responded, but uh, he's been pretty uh, vociferous in uh, his previous comments, saying that this is all uh, you know a sham investigation by um, you know enemies who are out to slight him. He points out that you know he previously faced corruption charges in another case, and uh, which uh, sort of fell apart and resulted in, in uh, a hung jury. He even said that the uh, the government presented its case to make it look as quote the, the quote was as salacious as possible. No. Sean, where does the case go from here? Do we know when we can uh, expect to see him or his wife back in court? Well, the the judge in the case has set a trial date for May, but a lot of the you know legal observers and other folks that I'm talking to about this case uh, seem to think that that is, that that isn't likely. I mean, there's a lot of procedural stuff between here and when it, when a case actually goes to trial. There's a whole discovery process, and so um, I, th- I think you're going to this is going to be a, a long drawn out process that is going to uh, definitely stretch at least until the next election. Sean Sullivan is a reporter for the Star Ledger and NJ Advanced Media. Thanks so much for uh, for explaining this to us. Yeah, thanks for having me.
Thanks for listening. This is NYC Now from WNYC. Be sure to catch us every weekday, three times a day, for your top news headlines and occasional deep dives. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back this evening. At Audi, expectations matter. It's why what's standard on every Audi SUV are features that exceed yours. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel.